This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, we're back with another episode and it's really hard not to be downbeat after yet another defeat, this time a relegation rivals Gillingham. I can't help but start to feel that any sense of optimism that we entered the January window with is starting to slip away. Davo, how are we doing, pal? And how are you feeling about the whole situation ongoing at our beloved HUFC? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thank you very much, my friend. Um, Honestly... Um, like I said in my tweet on the way back from Gillingham, um, I genuinely don't know what to say or what to think at this moment in time. Um, but what I do know is, is that I am very, very worried at the direction of this football club currently. Yeah, it's not looking good, is it? And I guess when you see other teams, we will discuss this later, like Gillingham, who we obviously played, and, and like Colchester, making statements of intent with the signings that are bringing in. It almost seems as if their owners recognise the importance of the position that they're in currently and how important it is to get out. And this isn't a dig at any of the players we signed because I'm really happy with every one that we've brought in um, of the four signings that we've made. But it's more of a case like Raj, you needn't go into the market. And if it costs you money, it costs you money because how much we will potentially lose from from going into the National League once again in terms of finances, in in terms of people attending, all these types of things, all the implications of getting relegated. You know, surely it's worth investing more and costing a little bit more money to keep that Football League safety. But that's people with common sense speaking, so we'll see what happens um, along the line. However, you are going to give us your thoughts um, on the Gillingham game. I didn't have any access. I was coming back to uni. All I saw was things on Twitter, things from people like yourselves in the group chat. Um, and I'll be perfectly honest, it's pretty obvious to everyone that it wasn't a positive day out. It wasn't a nice trip down to Kent that we all hoped it would be. Davo, I mean, just talk us through everything um, if you can do. I mean, it's funny you say there, but even like going down there was generally no optimism, no hope. It's it's getting to that point now where you dread going into each game. You look at the fixtures and you just think, God, where do we win? But back on to the question in hand, Gillingham away was just poor, really, really poor. We looked beaten from 
I'd say the get-go, there just seemed to be no spirit, no energy, no togetherness. No one seemed up for the fight. No one seemed to be, we just lacked any character. You know, within the team, you, you, you want to see certain characters, you know, grab the team by the scruff of the neck, i.e., you know, your captain, your leader, and just try and rally the lads. But there was just none of that. Um, at two o'clock, obviously, when the team came out, there was question marks over certain players while people were starting. I think if you are listening to this episode, then I think you know who I'm, I mean. Um, But yeah, as you can probably tell by my attitude to this, it was generally just generally poor. Um, very few positives to take from it. Um, I think if I, if I am to kind of credit pools at all, I think we probably had, from my point of view, what, 10 minutes of a, of a decent spell in the game. And just when we did start to maybe start to get a foot in the game, as soon as they got the ball straight up the other end, on the transition, bang, 2-0. And that generally just knocked the stuffing out of pools and and that was pretty much it. But it just was not good enough. Um, and the difference between the two clubs off the fields, I think, was just unbelievable, really. Um, just being in the stands before the game, obviously, if you didn't know, they announced the signing of George Lapsilly before the game uh, from Mansfield. But you could just sense the... The energy, the excitement, the buzz, the hype around the football club. Um, everyone seemed to be united. There seemed to be that hope, optimism that they can kick on and, and pull away from this relegation dogfight where you compare that to Pools. And and rightly so, you know, we are down. There's, there's no hope. There's no kind of optimism that, you know, we can do the same thing. Um but I think one of the, the hardest things for me to see is the fact that us as fans, I mean, full credit to the 255 polies who went down there. The fact that we as fans are making more effort than some of these players, in fact, most of these players on this team, it friggin' hurts. When we pay money, we spend time and effort going down to these games up and down this country, you know, so... And it does come across at times where players just seem to be outright lazy you know you're not talking about complex things you're talking about basic basic things of moving further up the field getting you know moving into space players just don't seem to want to put in the extra effort but yeah I won't go on um, I will end on the positive note that um, Dodds and Dolan I thought was a solid debut um, I think we've got a really good player there in Dodsey Um Again, assuming we can keep all of them over the next couple of years anyway, but um, I am going to leave it at that before I go on much, much further. It's incredibly well put, that. And I think as supporters, we are absolutely entitled to be disgruntled, entitled to be fed up, entitled to be pissed off with not getting back what we as supporters put in. Now, I didn't go down to Gillingham um, I don't get to as many away games um, as much as I'd like to. But when I do get there and when I have made the effort to get there, like you, like I say very frequently about you, lads, and, and it's not just you, lads, it's people like Mark that come on the podcast. It's people that we don't know 
in person or by names that go week in, week out. It's every single Hartlepool United supporter deserves 110% when a team comes out on the pitch. We have paid money to watch you. We are paying your wages. The least you can do, if you're not up to the standard, which, you know, I do have a bit of sympathy in a way for players that aren't up to the standard of League Two that have been signed by the guy who I feel completely and utterly ripped the core of the team apart last season, Paul Hartley. If you've been signed by him, that's because the manager believes in you. Now, if you're not good enough, that's incredibly frustrating and it's gutting. However, if you give 110%, I'll have some sympathy for you and I will actually think, well, at least he's given it everything. If you do not understand, and I know this probably comes across as a rant, and in a way it is, but it's a lot of frustration pent up, is that, you know, if you come out and give it 110%, that is all we are asking for. Nothing less than that. If we are putting all this effort in to support you boys, just give it back to us. And at the end of the money, at the end of the money, at the end of the day even, we are in a position where we're in a relegation dogfight. And if you seriously do not grasp the whole concept of that, I'm really worried. And, you know, them 255 Pulse fans, second to none, as always. Incredible. The fan base is never in doubt. The Pulse fans, our fans, go week in, week out. And I think... You know, I haven't heard you speak like that on the podcast. I've heard you speak about it privately or in group situations or whatever. But I think the time has come where people genuinely do need to actually, and they are doing, vent the frustrations, say it how it is. As I've said, and I will repeat once again, we pay money to watch the lads. We pay the wages. So the least you can do is give us 110%. Now, if you go to Gillingham and lose 2-0 because they've just got better quality, or they've outplayed us, but we've given it absolutely everything. I will not take anything away from them at all. But it's when you don't turn up for games like this that when the fans get really pissed off. And unfortunately, that's what it's come to. And I will end the rant on that point. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've got plenty to discuss coming up after this. We've got a bit of discussion about Keith Curl, how much responsibility does he take? I know a lot of it has been about Raj at the moment, lack of investment. I know I'm, I frequently um, say about how there hasn't been the investment needed, how I doubt Raj, etc., etc. But at the end of the day, on the pitch and tactics and selections, they fall down to the management team. So we're going to talk about that as well. We've got a very good friend of the podcast, Mr. Mark Carroll, joining us later on. And then there's been some discussion points that fans have contributed um, on Twitter. We put out a tweet earlier on, so we'll talk about them. And we are going to touch more on the transfer progress or the lack of progress that some people might feel. Um, that will all be discussed later on. But we will start with um, where does the blame lie? I guess fundamentally this discussion is going to revolve around how much responsibility does Keith Curl have to take at this point. Now, coming away from Gillingham, obviously I had chance on the journey back to go through social media and just read what people were kind of feeling. And for the first time since Curl took over the football club, we saw a lot of question marks aimed around the gaffer. Now, I'm now at this point where I think that is justified, especially when we are talking about team selection, tactics and our approach 
approaches to games. Saturday just gone. I have a lot of questions for Keith Curl. And because as a fan with pretty much, in fact, I've got absolutely zero knowledge when it comes to the coaching side of things, but I could see as as well as others could, we were playing at our best and we were most effective even when we had the ball on the deck playing football. So it frustrates me quite a lot when I see the team just constantly revolving our game around long ball when we've got probably one target man. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Keith Curl, I think it was pretty notorious when he took over that, you know, he came with a quite a passion for that kind of style of play. And he's not the only one. You know, we've had a lot of managers come into the football club and trying to implement that style of play. Now, from, from my personal opinion, I don't believe that we are that type of club. I don't think it works for us. It hasn't worked in the past and it's certainly not working now. Um, obviously, Joe Gray got a very rare start on Saturday. So I don't see how playing the game around that style with Joe Gray in the attacking third is going to get us anywhere. And again, I've got no coaching experience, but it's pre- it was pretty evident that it wasn't going to work. But then... On to my other point when it came to the team selection. Now, it's it's, it's common knowledge that Regan Tumley isn't good enough. It's, you know, he gave the free kick away needlessly, which led to Gillingham's first goal. I don't believe personally that he had to play on Saturday. He didn't have to play at all. We had enough personnel in the match day squad to play around him not playing. These things in question, the book starts and stops with Keith Curl. Now, this is not me saying he's not good enough. It's not like that at all. And I've said it on this podcast and I've said it personally on Twitter and away from social media and away from this platform that I believe he is good enough to get us out of this relegation dogfight. I just think, you know, it would be nice like Saturday, for example, to come out and just say, look, me, Swains, West, we got it wrong. And I'd respect them for that, you know. But it's time now to start seeing the picture for what it is. And that's just my opinion. And I'm going to give you, Jack, the chance to give your feelings on this very interesting discussion point. As you've hinted at there, it is really important. It is really intriguing um, to have this conversation that we're currently having. I agree with it. practically everything that you're saying. I think there's not a lot more that I can add. The thing that most frustrates me, and you didn't really touch on it as much there, is that at points I feel like there's a contradiction in what is being said, um, in whether that be in press conferences um, or whether that obviously coming from a press conference, whether you see that live or whether you see that on Twitter or whatever, in articles, I don't understand how at some point your squad can be good enough with a couple of additions to, or a few additions, to be able to stay in the Football League. And then when we lose to Gillingham, a team that have recruited extremely well, I'm not saying that's entirely, you know, Keith Curl's fault. There's got to be investment from Raj, etc. We probably will touch on this later. But 
to go and say after the game basically that the squad isn't good enough, which one is it? Which one is the correct one? Now, as pool fans, I think we know what the answer is. I genuinely think that we've got a few good players who we could build a core around. But as I've said in that quite passionate um, Gillingham review and discussion that we had there, that the core and the quality got ripped apart last season. And different people that you ask will have different reasons. It's a combined effort between Raj and Hartley that we've lost the best players that we had. Now, for me, with Keith, it's all well and good saying fans have got to be behind us, fans have got to be on this journey. We are on this journey. We've been brought into this journey since we were born. We we go week in, week out as much as we can. Um, the likes of you, Davo, and other people who go week in, week out. I go whenever I can. People will go when they can afford it. Let's remember the position. I don't want to get into politics and stuff, but let's remember the situation in the country at the moment with the cost of things. People are you know, putting a lot of money in to this and it costs a lot to go on away days it costs a lot to have a season ticket however you support that football club you are choosing to put money into it the fans have always been on that journey I get what he's saying I really do and I agree with Keith we've all got to try and pull together and we've all got to keep getting behind the lads but as I say hearing that week in week out is getting a bit frustrating now because we are there week in week out we will continue to back the lads week in week out you just got to hope that the recruitment and Keith can bring in players that are going to be able to get us out of the place that we find ourselves in. But I thought the points that you made, Davo, about playing certain uh, players, um, such as Tomalty, when he doesn't have to be played, he's not good enough to be in that squad anyway. But you've got Dodds, who is meant to be this fantastic right-back, which I have no doubts about. And why is he not playing at right back? So, yeah, I think the key points that we take away from that, I said I wasn't going to go on, but I have, um, are the tactics. Obviously, Keith, the management team's responsibility. We've got the whole thing about how there's been a bit of contradiction. And I think when you add those together, the blame is going to start lying a little bit more towards the management team, a little bit more towards Keith Curl. As you've said, I don't doubt his quality as a manager. I think he is a good manager, but playing this long ball stuff, really, that's not where we've had our success. That's not how we got promoted to the Football League. We used our wing backs and we got them pushing up the pitch. Now, I think, Davo, you want to add something else here, um, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Um, no, I just want to stress and emphasise that this is not us coming across and saying Keith Curl is a part of the problem or part mm. of the reason why the club is is failing or, you know, reasons to that effect. It's just us basically saying that although he has inherited a very poor match day squad, mm. playing squad, we still have a right to question the way we play yeah, the style in which we play our games. And I think definitely. Saturday in particular is definitely one of those times where we just have to come out and say, look, like I've said, there was times on Saturday where we were playing well and it was football on the deck. It was using 
utilising even David Ferguson. The chances you remember had were balls in at the box. It wasn't from mm. Killip or Meniasse route one. It was balls into the box, played in and around Josh Umera. But like I say, this is not us because it's easy for us to come across as it's like, oh, well, you're blaming Keith Kerr now. It's, you know, what is it? It's simply us saying, I think tactics, team selections, etc., have to be questioned slightly. But like I've said, I back Keith Kerr. I mm. believe in his ability as a football coach. And I believe he is more than good enough to keep us up. No, definitely. And as you say, it's not us having a dig. As a podcast, we are discussing all the different things that are going on. We're getting different fans' opinions. There's problems on and off the field. And I think we've got a question from one of the um one of our listeners to discuss about that later on. So I won't go on about that now. But I think it's just trying to break it down into where where is the where is the blame line in the situation that we're in? And I think, unfortunately, Keith has inherited and the situation that Keith found himself in isn't ideal for him. And I don't apportion a massive chunk of blame, but as time goes on, and as if it's tactics, teams, selection, etc., if that starts to be the issue, there's nowhere else to look because Raj doesn't select the team. When it comes to tactics and formations, how we're playing on the day, that's the responsibility of the players to not leave Keith to hang out to dry. You know, that that's that's very possible. If they don't turn up, Keith can only do what he can do and influence the tactics of team selection. The lads have got to take blame for that. And I think, as I've just mentioned that, it, it again highlights the point that there's a lot of different contributing factors to the situation that we find ourselves in at this moment in time so therefore we will conclude that discussion there and welcome on our very good friend um of the podcast mark carroll in just a few moments time delighted as ever to welcome on a very good friend of the podcast mr mark carroll mark we've kind of changed it up a little bit here we've been having a discussion about how we uh interact and interview well interview so to speak um the people that come on and we're going to start now this could go one of two ways as Davos mm-hmm. said this morning with a lot of different people but we you know we know what you're like Mark so we trust this as a as a guinea pig run um but let's start with an opportunity to get anything off your chest HFC related and it is a safe space to vent safe space well, good evening Jack yeah well I think the vent is probably it's it's probably just the season from sort of pre-season to where we are now, just the recruitment of the players, recruitment of the manager, um, it's the frustration of not building on sort of eighteen months or so since the plots and the victory there in Bristol. Um, we had a perfect opportunity to build something. Big crowds there. And then we find ourselves where we are today, where we've 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 lost really good players, and over time we've recruited we've recruited pale comparison. Let's be honest. So frustration, I think, is the amount of players we've gone through, managers we've gone through, and we, we we've gone from a position of strength to um, being in real danger. 
Um, we could spend a long time talking about it, but I think in a nutshell, that's, that's probably my big frustration that, um, that we haven't built on a great opportunity. And this is, we find ourselves in a position now where we, we're in real danger. Um, and we look at the teams around us and you think, well, what's, what's the price of the football league status? Um, because what's what's at stake to lose? We should we should know too you know too well what's at stake to lose, um, and we need to do everything we possibly can not to not to return to uh, the national league. So you know there's a lot of talk about players and what money we've got to spend in January, but we really we really need the next days and weeks. We need to see that backed up with actual quality signings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still don't expect us to, you know, I'd love us to, to go out and spend big money and get some likes of Luke Armstrong back, but I, I don't believe that will ever happen. But saying that, I, I still think we should be able to compete um, with the teams we need to, with the bottom end, to, to get players in. Well, Mark, like myself, I know you made that long trip down to Gillingham on Saturday to watch us get beat in what was a very, very bitterly disappointing performance from the boys. But just talk us through your thoughts and feelings after watching that on Saturday. Yeah, well, first thing, team sheet. Um, few, few games now, managers puddled me with... Um, I know the years not the, years not the greatest of choice, but I was... Puzzled to see again. There's no need to play. There's no need to play a right back at the in the centre of defence, um, and even Tumulty and the right back. I'm sorry to say, there's no pleasure in saying that he is. He's just not good enough for this level, and mm. I, I can't believe that he he, he, got, he got picked again when we had a right back to play a right back. We could have played Dolan and Nianassi in the centre of defence. And Ferguson left back, and that, that was puzzling to me to see that. Um, puzzling to me to see the guy we signed on Friday, that probably was had for a few days training with us, wasn't signed in time to play or even be on the bench, and we didn't have enough people on the bench. Mm. But, the, but the game itself, we, we, inv- we invited the pressure first half, we, we had very few. Or is into their box. Um, we have, apart from Josh Amara, we have nothing going forward. We're at no pace in the team. Playing 4-3-3, Jack Hamilton and Joe Gray, not not wide players that you need in that formation. Um, neither of them to, sorry to say, did, did anything of any, of any note. Um, and say uh, we we were just we were second to sec- we were second to second balls. We we just seemed to invite the pressure on. Um and unfortunately the goal of scored was unsurprising how we conceded it. You know, no need for Regan Tumulty to dive in. Just, you, you stand the player up there, he goes flying in, you like that. And the goal that's conceded is dreadful when you, the ball goes in to the six-yard box, and one, any one of three of that players could have scored, I don't know what, what on earth we were doing. Um, 
so the second half slightly better. But we were playing with 10 men when he brought Hasty on because I don't think the guy touched the ball. I don't know what he was meant to, what he was going to do. Um, and we had better chances in the second half. Um, you know, Amara's goal chalked off the side and he hit the post. He's, the, he's our only sort of shining light going forward. So, it's, you know, we, all season he's the only threat we've really got. Um, but again, the goal we conceded, it's just another one to chalk down to a really naive goal to concede. Um, but the actual performance was way below what you what you require. It was a second to second balls and just a whack right off the ball. You know, Gillingham just whacked harder when he didn't have the balls to get it back and whacked hard to sort of close us down. We going forward at this moment in time just have enough pace in the team. You know, we can't spring a quick counter because nothing in that midfield is really going to drive you know, forward with the ball and there's no pace around him ever. So, you know, he's doing a lot, he's doing a lot more work in areas I don't really want to see him play. I don't want to see him in certain areas. He's coming deep for the ball. He his energy would be better spent actually somebody else doing some of that work for him and him, you know, getting in the box facing goal. He spent a lot of his time back to goal. So it was a it was a it was a real poor performance from us. Um really, really disappointing. I think one of the most worrying things for me, which you alluded to there, was how can you not be up for a game like the game that was on Saturday? I mean, I was speaking to different people. You've mentioned it there. Um, speaking to, obviously, Davo Bailey, the lads that travelled down, and the absolutely incredible following that went. And I've spoken to quite a few of those people and to read things on Twitter that it just looked like we were beat from the off, the application, the hunger, the desire wasn't there. I was just like, what do you have to do to... Yeah get that into the players and you also mentioned about the tactics and and the team selection of course the man responsible for that is the gaffer Keith Curl so that leads us on nicely to the next question now we've already given our views earlier on in this episode about Mm -hmm. whether more of the blame is now lying at Keith Curl's door but for you does that blame start to accumulate now or does it come not necessarily at the end of the transfer window when players have been signed. You've got to obviously allow time for yeah. the signings to gel. But let's say end of February, is that when the blame really starts to hone in on Keith Curl? Because, you know, there's been an awful lot about Raj, an awful lot about investment, etc. And that's all very true. Yeah. But how responsible do you feel Keith Curl is at this moment in time? Or would you prefer to judge him, like I said, at the end of February? Well, he does, he does have to take some responsibility. I know that he's, you know, a large part is working with another manager's players, um, but team selection, sort of, sort of style of play. Um, you know, he has to be, these questions have to be asked of, you know, playing, playing certain, certain players, you know, out of position, the style of play, formation. I'm afraid that don't, I don't think at this moment in time you could 
we can put a back four, a back four just we can do it. We can't play with a back four, it's as simple as that. Um, we need that extra security in there, another centre defender. So whatever the, the injury situation is, we have to play 3-5-2. At the moment, that's the best formation for what we've got. So, you know, him saying, well, we, we played four at the back on Saturday at Gillingham because we wanted to get more be more attacking and we took the game to Gillingham. Did we say it? In, in very small fits and starts, where overall, I didn't see any of that. As I say, playing, playing, you've got, you've got, the same, you've got an example, you've got Natch, you've got a right back and you're playing, you're playing on his debut in the certain defence in the back four. Mm. Um, and leave Regan Tumulty there and playing right back when time, time again, he's shown he's not, he's not up to the task. So he does take some of the blame for the formation in the style of play. Some people said to me, is, is the style of play the right way for us? You know, the long ball, direct football. Um, it was only in the second half when Matty Dolan was playing in defence that we that we started to see him demand the ball from Ben Killip, like Gary Ridley used to. He just rolled it out to him or tucked the ball to him and he would play it out from the back. Um, is, he, was he, is he playing that style previously because he doesn't think that the defensive players he's got are able to play out from the back. He just wants them to launch the ball forward as quick as he can. Is that is that is that just his style from previous clubs? Um, but you, you, you can't you can't you can't absolve him of of blame of when the team's picked and how the team plays. Um, but once he's brought players in in January and he says he's got value for money and the players he wants. Um, then, then there'll be then there'll be more scrutiny when he's brought in hopefully a fair number of players. Well, big question for you now, Mark. But I know we're not far off getting out of the relegation zone points-wise. But when is the panic button hit? When is that moment where we go? Actually, are we ever going to be able to pull away? I probably think sort of end of February time. Um, I look, we look obviously got the games we've got coming up shortly. We've got obviously Watchdale Saturday, Colchester. I think you look in February, um, there's not a lot of games in February when I've looked at them that, that stand out to me as being you know, we're not playing many of the real promotion teams. Um, I don't think briefly looking at those fixtures, so I think by the end of February, um, but we can't, you know. Position where we can't rely on other teams, you know, getting beat somewhere along the line. We have to win football matches, um, and Saturday is as big as any. Yeah, well, as ever, Mark, it's been fantastic to have you on, been fantastic to hear your thoughts and your expert insight. And uh, we look forward to welcoming you on once again in the future. It's a pleasure, Jack. As mentioned in the introduction to this episode, we are going to now talk about the transfer progress or lack of it, as some people may seem, uh, may see it. I will just start with the fact that we have talked about Gillingham quite a bit and we touched a little bit on their recruitment, the players that they were signing, the clear intent and investment. Colt, Chester United, obviously bringing in, I think it was Matty J from Exeter, 
um, is a fantastic bit of business. You look around us and it appears that our relegation um, arrivals, so to speak, are making good progress and, well, serious progress in many cases. But I guess this whole discussion is about where we find ourselves. I personally am really happy with who we brought in. I think, you know, Peter Hartley will be a, a brilliant addition to the back line, a leader. Obviously, he was missing through suspension at Gillingham. Hartley pull lad, knows what it's about, played for us before. Same with Matty Dolan, really like the guy, big fan. Um, I think it's a brilliant that we've got him in. I know it's on loan and then to automatically convert to a permanent. Let's just hope that we don't do what we did um, last season with Bryn Morris and, and that all goes down the drain. Fingers crossed that it does convert and that we, we are able to um, keep a hold of Matty. Fingers crossed that he'll fit right in. As you say, he had a solid debut on Saturday um, playing at centre-half eventually. So, yeah, I think that was a, another good bit of business. Um, and then we've got Putri coming. Um, I'm not obviously saying he's in order because uh, I'm just re- mentioning them um, randomly, but a player who we didn't know was coming in. There weren't any loads of rumours or any talk really about it on Twitter. So it was a nice surprise. I think it'll be really solid. Um, six foot three. I mean, it's clear to see where Keith's targeting. Um, and then a fantastic sign in Dodds, who'd obviously been on loan at those that we prefer not to speak about. Um but I think it's brilliant that we've got him on a permanent deal. Hopefully we can develop him. Hopefully he'll progress at the club. And, and as you say, another player who had a, a solid debut um, at the weekend. So in terms of where I think we are, we're still quite a long way off. Um, I think we need another striker. Love us to go in for Johnson. I'm sure you're the same, Davo. I'm sure a lot of people um, that listen are the same. I mean, he's been recalled by his parent club, whether it happens or not is another another question. I've seen things about Bryn Morris um, on Twitter and stuff. I, I think that'd be a brilliant bit of business to get him back. I think he clearly wanted to play for us. I think he gave his all when he did play. I think he has a lot of quality. Someone who I'd really like to see his sign. And if, if that's something that's possible, I'd definitely get that over the line. For me, priority has to lie. Um, we're getting another striker in. We need a winger in to get good balls into the box. And I think we need a, a keeper to push Killip. I, I don't think he's been up to standard. I think um, recently, I think there's been a few errors. And don't get me wrong, we've given him a lot of credit. We've said he deserves, um, you know, to to get that credit offers as supporters he has improved a lot he's probably been certainly the start of the season one of the only real positives and as of late I don't think he's been the same keeper that we have seen in flashpoints this season so Dava where do you assess the whole thing I will try and keep talking for about another few seconds whilst you finish off that soup um you know where where do you think we find ourselves currently in terms of transfer progress do you think we're quite a way behind where we should be do you think that we've made really good progress and and it only requires a little bit more I think I know where your answer will lie but I guess everybody's different everyone will have a different view of what a good transfer window and it is important to add that January 
is a bit more of a difficult window to navigate. So the floor is yours. Well, it's very nice, Soup, I may add. <laughs> big shout out uh, to Tracy for that one. Yeah, big shout out to me, man. Um, oh, I think it's a steady start. I don't think it's anything to kind of get too excited about. I mean, especially when you compare it to to Gillingham and to Colchester. And I know what people say, but yeah, but they've got money. Gillingham have just been talking about it. Yeah, I get that. But they are enticing players from playoff teams in our own division. They're enticing players from League One, mid-table League One clubs, to them. I mean, I, I do believe, like I say, it's steady away for now. We are not where we need to be. There is still a lot of surgery needed on this team. Um, Dodsey, like I've said already, give a good account of himself on on Saturday, even more so when he moves across into his more natural position as right back slash right wing back. So I do believe that we've got a good player, and I think he'll um, I think he'll do as good in, in the future as well. So I've got no concerns about him. Um, Dolan um, again, solid, solid start. Uh, I mean. We know what Dolan's about. Um, he comes with leadership qualities. He has he has the quality for this league and he, he has what it takes to help us move on and hopefully kick on away from this relegation dogfight. So, like I say, couldn't be any worse from them two on Saturday and it, it wouldn't be fair anyway to criticise them after just one game. So, um, steady away from them, boys. Obviously, Peter Hartley suspended for Saturday. Prouty wasn't involved in the matchday squad, so hopefully... Who knows, maybe an inclusion for them this weekend. Um, they've certainly got every right to be knocking on the, the gaffer's door to say, hang on a minute, look what happened on Saturday, you know. I've got every right to to be given a chance and to prove to the fans and to the to Keith himself that they're the place to help Pools solidify the back four. But moving forward, um, you've hit the nail on the head. We need another striker for me. Um, certainly need more players in the wide positions. Um Jake Casey came on at half-time, so he got a good 45 minutes in the tank. And, and to be brutally honest, I didn't even know he was playing. <laughs> no, I'm not being awful. I don't like it just to jump on this bandwagon of slating the, the mm. Scottish players, mm. but I'll speak as I find. He had no impact on the game. No. Um, Jake have his reasons, but from I just think it's a pure lack of quality for me personally. Um, Wes McDonald, he came on. We saw a glimpse of Wes. Um, now, I have said, and I will say again on, on air, I think with Wes, you see the technical ability that he has. And I think he is capable of a lot of good things. I just think he doesn't keep things simple for whatever reason. I just think mm. he likes to take on 500 men. You, you know, it has to be fancy, like fancy footwork. And, you know, we're not in a position for that. <laughs> you know, we, we can't afford all these fancy five-star trick moves. You know what I mean? It's... We are where we are in the league. We need to get the the ball in the box and we haven't got time for you to be taking on 500 men, you know? So mm. we certainly need players in them, in them wide positions and I'd certainly say we need players in a more of a central attacker midfield role. Um, I know we've got Cookie, but for example, we didn't have the luxury of having Cook on Saturday. So, i.e., and as much as I love Joe Gray, and again, I think Joe gave a good account of himself on Saturday, it's not enough. So I certainly say we need another 10. Um, 
However, and I think I speak on behalf of a lot of Pearl fans, probably yourself included in this, Jack, it's just a matter of will we get the quality we need? You know, there's been a lot of the quote has been branded around a lot on Twitter, this value for money. It doesn't exactly fill you with confidence as a Pearls fan that we're going to get the right players in. It could be a matter of budget and availability type thing. And I just think the more this window goes on, I just don't believe we're going to get the quality players that we need because I think the longer we leave it, we're going to become more rushed, more paranoid, and it's going to make us probably jump at the wrong place and take big risks that we don't need to take. So um, all we can do is sit back, wait and see what happens. We've just got to trust the process. But for me personally, a lot of work to do. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. Can't, can't time. argue with that. I think we'll go with the consensus that it's it's a steady start. We've brought in some players that do add quality. They are better than what we've got currently. Um, but there's still a long way to go. And I'm sure um, Davo was on about a number 10, not another 10 signings, because we all know that's not realistic. Just wanted to highlight that in case anybody was thinking that um, Davo was saying we're going to need another 10 in January. We may well need another 10, but we, we know that we won't be able to get another 10. So... That wraps up the transfer talk. Uh, it's, it's always an interesting discussion. It, it's always customary in January um, to discuss these things. Unfortunately, the position that we're in um, and we currently find ourselves won't help our prospects in the market. But we've just got to hope that Keith has these deals lined up for players that are better than what we've got and players that can grow with a club moving forward and, and ultimately pull us away from the position that we find ourselves in. Well, moving forward now, and earlier today, lunchtime to be precise, we put a tweet out on our account, giving you guys at home the opportunity to suggest to us guys anything, any topics that you would like us to discuss. Kenny um, has asked, what do we make of a certain quote in the mail? Understandable that there's multiple reasons players won't sign for us, but it's interesting. He's um, saying we can compete financially, but after seeing wages offered, Dash demanded he's preferring to look for value. Is that the best tactic at the moment? So I will just read out the quote. So Curls added to the mail, would we get? Would we have been able to compete to get Ollie Hawkins here? Financially, yet, yeah. would he have come here? No, and that's not being disrespectful to us or in no way saying he didn't favour us. You hear some of the rumours that are being thrown around about some of the monies that are being offered to players. I still insist that there's valued players out there. Uh, we may have to wait to get the right one. <sighs> Kenny, it's a really good point, um, to be honest with you. I think when I read it, I wasn't happy with Curl. Um, how can you... Yeah, financially, yeah. And then would he have come in? No. So you've got to start asking questions as to why he won't come here. I think it's pretty obvious. Um, why he won't come here at the minute. Um, I think if you'd asked that question 18 months ago, it would have been a different answer. I don't quite grasp the whole concept of it that when people talk about money being involved and, and players choose money for clubs, I just think that it, it's probably down to the ambition of the club at this current time. I, I don't know whether you agree with that one. It's just intriguing. It's really, really interesting um, to see this comment. 
Yeah, I totally cocked up how I was trying to get my analogy across. But I think the whole no. basis of this thing from Kenny is, well, the whole question was about the best tactic being value. But when I read that quote, it brings out a lot of different things. I don't think it just brings... The, the value bit, to me, doesn't isn't the thing that stands out most. It's, yes, we can compete financially. Well, if we can compete financially, why aren't we going in for these types of players? Do you know what I mean? 100%. I mean, maybe... Maybe Raj has stumbled across this playoff budget. Maybe he's found it. Well, perhaps he must have got his glasses on. Unless he... Uh, he may, maybe he found it near his fireplace when he was preparing another interview. Who knows? But, yeah, it's... In terms of your question, Kenny, we have kind of gone around that. We've discussed what we make of the quote, but in terms of is the best tactic being value, no, don't think it is. Now, I'm not saying put the financial security of the club at risk because that's really not um, not a good thing to do. Um, but you look at Gillingham, for example, look at how much they're investing to get out and granted they've got new owners, etc. But if we have got this playoff budget, we shouldn't just be looking for value. We should be looking at players. Because when a manager says to me, this is how I've interpreted the comment, I may be wrong, but when a manager says, oh, we need to look for value, that tells me that A, money's not there fundamentally, and B, we can't compete with other people. So we're going for an option which other people aren't really bothered about. It's it's a really good question, a really good way of looking at it. Davo, do you have anything to add on that? Well, I mentioned this this quote of like value for money early in the episode, and as a Pools fan... For many, 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 many years now, we have had this idea of going for free transfers, going into National League, National League North for players, and it's there just Sunderland loan kids, hundred percent. And we've been burnt out many, many times because of this approach that we're not going to spend money, we're not going to show ambition. I'm not being awful. It's 2023. Look at the direction of football's going at the moment. Mm. I mean, this idea that we can get up on a budget just needs to like, just lose the idea. I'm not being awful. Throw it in your fireplace. You know, just show some ambition. The fact that Danny Johnson rumouredly wants to come back to the northeast. If I was Raj, I'd be like, oh my God, what an unbelievable chance for this football club here mm. to get a good striker. Let's do everything we can. Get the book out and let's see what we can do. Give absolutely everything to that deal. To lose... Exactly. Danny Johnson to potentially a relegation rival, I think would just be a catastrophe. To say we haven't even tried would be a catastrophe. So this idea of value for money, uh, Kenny, for me is just, it sums up pills. It sums up the way pills have operated recruitment over many, many years now. It stinks. Uh, and it, it, like we know as a fan base, it just comes down to a lack of ambition. You know, it's just, it's as simple as that. But moving on now to our next question, and it comes from Mickey Campbell. And just before I do read the question out, big shout out to Mickey Campbell because he did uh, message me on Twitter. And we've had a good conversation over the last couple of days. So really appreciate that. It's good to get to know the fans um, a little bit more. So yeah, big shout out to Mickey Campbell. Well, his question is, in fact, do you think with how the season has panned out, Raj should look to review the current members of the board recruitment team Operation staff and safety officer. This isn't just an on-field problem. It's a shambles off the field as well. Now, hearing that question, Jack, what are your thoughts on it? Yes. That's as simple as it is. 
I think it needs to be done. You were you were caught there, weren't you? You were thinking, I hope he gives us more than that. Um, but I thought I'd try that for impact. Anyway, it's a serious again, it's another serious question. I, I think it needs to be reviewed. Um I think as Mickey says, this is of course personal opinion. It is in a good place off the pitch, I don't think. Um I think that there needs to be a lot of changes if this club is going to progress, if this club is going to move forward um, in an, in any organisation, whether it's a football club, whether it's a business, everything starts at the core, starts at, you know, it starts at the top. And unfortunately, when the situation at the club, in my personal opinion, at the top of the club, the board, whoever that may be, isn't in a good position, then that just works it way its way through. I think there are some fantastic people who do work behind the scenes. I think there was evidence of that when we were in the um suit direct lounge for the Stoke game. I think the people in there um that helped us out were were really good. I thought they were on the ball. I thought they made sure that you had a really good experience. So there are people behind the scenes um who are working there and working hard, but I think when you look at the treatment of certain individuals at the club, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to be disputed. I think there's a lot more goes on that's potentially brushed under the carpet. Um, I know that the Northwest corner lads have had some gear that has been locked away and, and stuff like that. You can't, you can't be doing that. Like it, it's not going to help it's going to make the situation even worse it's going to turn people away it's going to make it toxic it's throwing it back in people's faces and I'm not saying it from any agenda towards any person or from any specific biased viewpoint but for me the way that the northwest corner um especially with this situation with gear being locked away have been treated I just think it's it's really poor it's not on and I think that reflects on people that are involved behind the scenes in the football club, unfortunately. And that's why I believe that there needs to be changes. There really does. I think, yeah, for me, if things don't change, HUFC is going to keep turning people away. HUFC is not going to progress and we're going to lose touch between the people that work higher up in the club or you know, safety officer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's going to be that disunity and, and that's the last thing you want, especially in the situation that we're in. But I think some of the attitudes and some of the treatment and some of the way people go about things needs to change fundamentally, Mickey. Um, that That's my way of looking at it. Yeah, that is a pretty, pretty good account there, Jack. And I'm, uh, I'm pretty aligned with it. Um, no, no, we had a few comments um, about the Northwest Corner, which is where I'm going to start my kind of viewpoint on it. Scott Stevens, um, Michael Wright have also similar comments. Um, we all know how instrumental, how vitally important the Northwest Corner are to the match day experience. Mm. Um, and now I'm not being awful. I'm not going to just put the pressure on them because there's a, there's other two stands in the ground. Everyone can get involved in the match day uh, the match day atmosphere. It's not just about the guys there who are, you know, brilliant set of lads. We can all play a part when it comes to the match day atmosphere, but we know how important they are. They bring um, an extra level to it. So 
in terms of the safety officer, the issues that you've underlined, there, there is clearly massive issues which need to be amended um, quickly. Um, in this time of adversity, you know, we're in a, we're in a relegation dogfight. We need the fans together as much as possible. So the last thing we need is this divide, you know. So the sooner this problem is sorted, the quicker the fan base can unite, get together and get behind the players and the team. So um, I'm sure for me personally, it's it's in the club's best interest um, to quickly get a hold of these problems because it's been um, the talking point on Twitter for a long time now and it's not a good look on the club. No, it needs um, to start 110%. It certainly does, mate. Um in regards to the board, recruitment, operation staff, safety officer, well, safety officer I've just mentioned, sorry. Um, I think it needs reviewing. Can you do that midway through the season? I question it, but I think if, and I mean if we stay up in the Football League come the end of the season, this is something that Raj has got to look at. Obviously, we know Stevens left. He's moving on to new pastures, so his replacement could be in, in place in the next couple of months, we'd like to think. Um, but in relation to your question, Mickey, 100%, come the end of the season, one of the first things I would do is look at who's working below me and who can bring out the best possible results for HUFC. Now, Chris Trotter, the recruitment officer, only came in not long ago. Um, but looking at the players we've brought in, especially over the summer, which is his, I mean, it was his first summer, wasn't it, Jack, as recruitment officer? Yeah. I mean, I'm not being awful. It's not a good reflection on him. I mean, he came with really good reviews, really good recommendations. It sounded like that this was a really positive step forward for the football club. Well, I mean, it doesn't really reflect well when you look at the the utter shambles we brought in in some cases. But mm-hmm. in relation to your question, Mickey, you are absolutely bang on. Hopefully, this is something that the club will look at come the end of the season. As is tradition, bringing to you... Our match day preview for the massive, massive game against Rochdale this coming Saturday at Victoria Park. Also technically correct and politically correct suit direct stadium is Davo. Thank you very much, Jack, for that introduction. (laughs) (laughs) However, this coming Saturday, Pulse take on Rochdale at the suit direct stadium in what is a massive crunch game. As it stands currently, we are one point behind our visitors. However, we do have a game in hand due to the postponement of our home game against Newport County. The Dale come into this having won one of their last six games, drawing two and losing three. The most recent outing was last weekend, in which they suffered a 2-1 home defeat to relegation rivals Colchester, the club's top goalscorer. So far this season is former Pooley Devante Rodney, who has six goals and two assists. The last time we met was, of course, Boxing Day 2022. A brilliant day for us Poolies, where Pools came out. The winners, courtesy of a fantastic free kick by Callum James Cook. And I think it's fair to say we are all hoping for a repeat of this on Saturday. But before we finish this review, you all know what comes next here on HFC Chats. And that is, of course, our match predictions. So, Jack, fire us away, please. Mm. Uh, honestly, I'm usually really positive. <laughs> Don't know whether I can be this week. Um, after losing to Gillingham, like we did, the performance that was put in. Oh, yeah, where do I go with this one? 
Let's nil nil. Nil nil. We'll go with nil nil. Because yeah, I just I don't know. Unless we bring players in this week, um a couple more names I think we need in I just I just can't see it. I know it's it's not the position I want to be in. I know we laugh when I say nil-nil, but I don't think I've ever predicted a nil-nil on HFC chat. But considering we lost 2-0 to Gillingham last week, um I can't see us getting three points, to be honest. I hope I hope it's wrong. I really do. I hope that um well, first and foremost, with the weather forecast for this week, I do hope the match goes ahead, but yeah, we'll go, we'll go with nil-nil, Davo. What are you thinking? Well, funnily enough, we have just seen a tweet saying someone hopes the game is called off due to a frozen pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I think that just really sums up the mood and atmosphere around this football club at this moment in time. However, back to the question. Oh, I don't know. Gillingham is any... Oh, auntie... It's a good enough reason to predict us to get beat, but I'm not going to do that. I am going with the same outcome as Boxing Day. I am going for a 2-1 pulls win, courtesy of goals from Joshua Romero and whoever else fancies chipping up on the day. I think it says a lot, doesn't it, that we can't name someone other than Joshua Romero to come up because there's no one really contributing. But that wraps up yet another enjoyable despite the situation at the club, we've had some laughs uh, in this episode and I think you've just got to try and keep positive and just hope that the outcome of this um, this predicament that we're in now does improve and we do manage to stay in the Football League. I'm not saying we're down already, although I kind of was a bit negative on Saturday and probably did comment to a few people that us down. Um, but look, we just got to, as ever... Keep the faith, back the boys, and Davo, take it away. Never say die. We will see you in the next episode. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.